Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host this, re- this week, Rich Fay, and I'm joined by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello, Rich. And by Tyrone Marshall. Good afternoon, Rich. Good afternoon to you both as well. Yeah, United haven't played this week, but surprisingly enough, we've got plenty to talk about, mainly on the front of transfers. I guess we will sort of boil them down player by player rather than dissect them all in in one big go. And yeah, United may be looking unlikely to sign anyone before Monday's deadline, but there are one or two who could yet leave uh, Manchester United. Um, Should we start with someone who has left United then this week, guaranteed? That's Anthony Marshall. Seville have uh, paid his wages until the end of the season. He's moved to La Liga. Did either of you actually think Marshall would uh, potentially stay after he actually made a contribution in that that, that late win against West Ham? Or I think we covered it on the last podcast, didn't we? It looked likely to leave. But in terms of Anthony Marshall, Samuel, what do you make of that move for him? Does it sound like the sort of level that, that he could really thrive at? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it bodes well for him as well that he's going to a club who would challenge him for the league as well. Uh, that's the position Sevilla find themselves in. They're second in La Liga. I think they're only two points off top. And their recruitment in recent years, it's, it's been well documented how, um, how impressive that's been, uh, the influence of, of Monchi, the, the, the football director there as well. So if it pays off for Marshall, uh, if it pays off for United, uh, they need to ensure that in the summer they, they strike while the iron is hot there and, and sell him because he, he, his, his resale value will be very high. Of course, the next manager who comes in might want to keep him, but I, I really think that the time has come there for um, for, for it's, it's in the, it's in the best interests of all parties just just to turn the page there, just to move on. Um, but it, it still wouldn't surprise me if this time next year Marshall is still a United player uh, because of the circumstances of uh, the, the way the squad is, because of his contract. And, and because United is just not great at, at selling players. But as, as you said at the at the start there, I didn't for one minute think that he would end up staying. I think that United have, have, have kind of sweat it out quite quite sensibly there and that Sevilla need Marshall a hell of a lot more than United need him. And there was never going to be any wiggle room with Payne uh, in terms of covering his wages. United were insistent that any club that comes in for a player, they pay their wages in full. And although it's still quite a substantial amount of money that Sevilla are paying on on a weekly basis, uh, there's no loan fee by the sound of things. I was I was off for a couple of days when when the deal went through, so so Ty will be able to uh, clarify that and tell me if I'm right or wrong uh, very shortly. But it is getting a, a player who's been largely irrelevant for quite some time off the off the wage books. Um, I think he's only started four times this season. So although it's still premature, maybe to assess Marshall's legacy at United because he's still not permanently left them. Uh, I think this can be filed as the beginning of the end. Yeah, of course. Uh, 
Ty, in terms of players who have come and gone, then like we said, Marshall's the only sort of permanent one that we can come on. Well, the sort of first team level who's left this window. Then we know that there's others who, who do want to leave. And I mean, Donny Van der Beek or Jesse Lingard, where do you want to start on them? We'll tackle them one sure. at a time, really. I mean, Donny Van der Beek looks the most likely of the two to leave. Um, offers in for him, and you know, he's of the belief that United should hopefully um, be. You know, they should. They should grant that wish and, and get him out of the club because you know it suits all parties as well. Of course, again, like all these deals, really, United are insistent that, that the wages at least are paid. And in the case of Lingard, it's not only the wages perhaps that will, that will see that deal go through. But Donny van der Beek, then, you know, United don't really need him. Like they didn't really need Marshall, and there's greater needs everywhere. Do you actually think he will leave before Monday's deadline? I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Dan Fletcher's probably above him in a pecking order for United's midfield at the moment, to be honest. It's, he's, he's so far back. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't, it, it, we've come to before, but it's ridiculous. He wasn't, he wasn't allowed to leave in the summer, really. And the, the, the previous manager kept him around. It seems that one of, you know, one of Solskjaer's flaws is wanting a massive squad when he's, you know, he didn't want to let Lingard leave, he didn't want Van der Beek leave because he wanted numbers around. Neither has started a Premier League game all season. Neither anywhere near it. Um, so it, it makes sense to <clears throat> to let him go. Like Martial, it, it feels like the beginning of the end. It's still hard to see a way back for, for Van der Beek. I suppose the, the interesting aspect will be if he goes to Palace. And it, it's pretty clear why he's not playing that much for United. And that's that successive managers have now sort of doubted his his physical capabilities to, to thrive in midfield. And it looks, it looks like he kind of knows that because when he does come on, he throws himself into challenges with with abandon, really. I mean, that that Watford game where he nearly saved Solskjaer's job, he was flying into challenges left, right and centre. It does look like he tries to to prove a point with that. I mean, he bulked up over the summer. But if he goes to Palace and, and does play every week in the Premier League for, for, for what's left now, five months of the season and plays well, I guess he's he's got a chance. We clearly know he's a good player through what he did at Ajax. If he flops at Palace, then clearly he's not suited to the Premier League and it'll be time to, to move him on. But I suppose if he gets that regular exposure to football at this level, he, he could have a point to prove. <clears throat> the interesting thing with, I guess, him and Martial is, is who becomes manager in the summer for Van der Beek. Obviously, if it was Ten Hag, that would feel like a big win for, for Van der Beek and a real possibility of, of saving his United career. For Martial, I mean, Mauricio Pochettino wanted to sign him at Tottenham. He's, you know, he, he's not exactly kicked on as a player since then, but... He might be keeping his fingers crossed that Pochettino gets the job and, and gives him a second chance. <clears throat> but yeah, Van der Beek, there seems very little point to keep him around when he can get his wages paid in full, make a, a decent save in there. And he needs the chance to, to go out and play football. And United need to trim the squad. There's no point having that many unhappy players around the place. There might be very little issue on the training pitch, but you still don't want them kind of, you know, energy killers, I guess, in a way, in a dressing room that, that sort of aren't aren't contributing, aren't feeling the, feeling the positive mood around the place. So I think uh, a loan would make an awful lot of sense. And ideally it is to, to Palace or a Premier League club and we can get to see whether he is actually cut out for this league or not. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, I guess that's the most annoying thing with that, isn't it? It is that untapped solution that Van der Beek is and you still don't quite know what he can offer. Fans still don't quite know what position he's supposedly meant to be playing all the time you know he's he's thrown around the, the ground and the stadium sort of wherever the United need them at times and, but you can see from the, the reception he gets every single week that you know the United fans certainly are on his case and he's always been sort of an excuse to, to have a go at Solskjaer for as well when he wasn't getting played because there, there was that ready-made solution on the bench um, like you said then you can understand why United are being maybe a bit 
cautious, reluctant to, to actually sanction permanent sales because of the managerial uncertainty at the end of the season. You don't know what formation they're going to be playing, what you know, who the personnel that will suit the new appointment is. Jesse Lingard then, Samuel, United have had so many chances as well to, to get rid of him in the past. They could have cashed on him last year. That would seem sensible and, again, would have surely been an ideal time for, for him to leave the club and United to get a really good fee for him. As it stands, he can leave as a free agent at the end of the season. What is the latest on Jesse Lingard's future? Well, again, I was off when uh, this kicked off earlier in the week with Newcastle balking at the uh, survival clause that United were insistent on. Um, th- there's been a bit of backtracking from United's end about the, the 50 million valuation that has, has been circulating this week and has been understandably derided uh, just, just to fill people in. I mean, United suggested in an open market, if, if Lingard had a longer contract, he would be a 50 million pound player. I- I'm not too sure what parallel universe you have to be in for, to, to come to that sum, but um, it, it seems a little bit a little bit of a stretch. I think in the summer he was probably worth. 25 million pounds and if, if they'd actually notified West Ham in at the start of the summer that they could have him if they met that figure I, I suspect West Ham would have got him in June or July uh, I, I don't think there would have been much beaten about the bush there it, it was it seemed such an easy sale to to get over the line yet United had a very indecisive manager who um, sold the player a pup as well um, Lingard's not the only one who you know, kind of resented Solskjaer's selection strategy and felt that he was frankly fogged off by what he'd been told by Solskjaer either. But that's that's the situation United are in. Newcastle, when you look at the squad that they've um, they've got, even with the two signings they've made so far this month, you would still have them as one of the three favourites to go down. They've, they've had a couple of impressive wins under Howe when the, the Leeds one being the most most recent, although Leeds, <clears throat> beating Leeds is not exactly particularly difficult, I don't think. You know, if, if, if you're on your game against Bielsa's side and um, you get your tactics right, then there are no excuses not to be not to be beating Leeds. But given the circumstances, it was, it was still a rather standout result from Newcastle. But they need to do a hell of a lot more uh, than that if they are to survive this season. And they, they should have expected that this would happen, that clubs would try and rinse them for uh, a bit more money because of, of the ownership there. And United, obviously, are worried about being shortchanged for Lingard and they feel as though, rather understandably, that he could have a transformative impact if he was to go to Newcastle because, I think, if, had he not gone to West Ham last season, West Ham probably wouldn't have qualified for Europe. So that's the difference he can have on a team. He's, he's proven that. At a much higher level with West Ham, uh, he he could be that catalyst player if he was to end up at Newcastle that keeps them up. There's about a hundred million pound difference between going down to the Championship and staying in the Premier League. So to, to demand a survival uh, bonus is is somewhat understandable. But ultimately, this this situation was all avoidable if they just sold him in the summer. Um, it was such an easy decision to make. I think if they'd had. A, a forthright and, and authoritative and proven director of football, then that probably would have happened because they would they would have objectively said, you've not started this guy in 18 months. He's 29 in December. He's out of contract next year. Uh, the club that have just taken him on loan want to sign him permanently and we can get over £20 million for him. He's going. Instead, they let, left Solskjaer to his own devices and Unfortunately for Lingard, he's in pretty much the same position he was in 18 months ago when 
going into the start of last season, I think everybody felt that it was in his best interest to go out on loan there and then because he wasn't going to get a kick for the first team. And I think he barely played in the Premier League up until he um, made that loan move to West Ham. I think his only starts were against Luton in in the League Cup and Watford in the FA Cup. So you're talking about two starts against two championship sides. So he has been treated pretty shabbily, uh, all being told. And that's without even dwelling on the fact that at the start of this season, he was having very good impacts off the bench and then Solskjaer was still not picking him to, to start in in meaningful league matches. He's had two starts all season. And I mean, we could talk and go on and on, on about Solskjaer's unwanted legacies there. But when you look at Van der Beek, Martial, Lingard, Henderson, those are four players who were getting in their national squads last season. And at the moment, they all want out because they've all fallen out of their national team squads. And there's a World Cup uh, coming up in November. And this this was the worst year possible to botch squad management. And unfortunately for United, they had just about one of the worst squad managers you could ever think of at that level in the Premier League. It's, it's difficult to think of a similar scenario at, at another club. Obviously at Chelsea, the, the player roster there is is pretty bloated as well, but they don't seem to have as, as many issues as United do at the moment. And, and that's probably because of the way Tuchel's streamlined aspects of it. And, and obviously they're very proactive with their loan deals as well. Uh, United have been proactive to an extent so far this, this month with the loan deals, but it would still be a pretty dismal failure if they didn't somehow get Lingard off the books because he has no future at United. And it's difficult to see what use Rangnick is going to get out of him the remainder of the season when he's told the player himself that he's not in Rangnick's plans. It's really strange, isn't it? Like so the way that United have handled this again. And to, to an extent, you can understand why they are, like you said, trying to put that relegation fee in. But in terms of the squad harmony, surely you just want to get players off the books, really, that don't want to be there for the, for the greater good of the team. Um, Tyrone, one player who has left this month, um, again, it's difficult to sort of bracket him as a first-team player. He, you know, has made more appearances at youth team level as is Ahmad. He's, he's joined Rangers on loan until the end of the season. What do you make of that as a move for him? You know, there was, there was interest in the championship. Of course, he could have gone to Derby before their financial situation worsened. There was interest off in Italy and Feyenoord still interested after their proposed move last summer fell through because of his training injury. But Rangers decided they won the race for Ahmad. And do you think that is a really good fit for him? Yeah, I think it's a, a pretty good fit. Um, uh, United were very keen for him to, to stay and play football within the UK, within Britain at least. Um, and I think in the end, obviously Rangers have got the attraction of a title race. And for now, European football have got Borussia Dortmund in, in the Europa League uh, next month. So there's, there's certainly an attraction there. It's obviously a huge club to, to play your football for. It's not exactly a, a demanding test a lot of the time in the Scottish Premiership, but it is a, a title race with Celtic at the moment. So there is a certain pressure that comes with it. Stylistically, it, it's going to be physical. So you're going to get used to, to playing at that physicality. And you know, he's 19 now and he does need to be proving he can play in, in the Premier League. That The injury that stopped him going to Feyenoord was, was hugely unfortunate. But even when United signed him, he was very, he was still very sort of, very wet behind the ears in terms of actual first-team experience and still is. Um, played, played a few games off the bench last year, started those two Premier League games, obviously towards the end of the season. But still, really, you're talking a handful of experiences for a 19-year-old who could fetch £37 million now and... There was a lot of competition for his signature. He's obviously very highly rated in youth circles. 
but it, it really is at the point where for a player of that kind of valuation, you need to be proving you can you can play now. 19-year-olds that are worth £40 million are, are usually in first teams. And obviously, he's, he's not close to United's first team at the moment. So it does feel like a big, a big loan for him um, in terms of playing every week and impressing and also getting used to the physicality. There needs to be a space for him in that United first team next year. This is the kind of knock-on effect of, of carrying a squad of 29 or 30 senior players that there's just no room to give like the likes of Ahmad and Hannibal and others a, a role in the squad. James Garner's coming back next year, has done well in the Championship. Maybe he's the player you look to cash in on, but if you streamline that squad, those are the types of players who can fill fill the squad roles that players like Van Der Beek and Lingard have been doing and, and make an impact off the bench. And Alang has shown that if you give, if you give youth the chance, then they can force their way in and players of the likes of, of Hannibal and Ahmad are players United spent big money on who need to see that there is a pathway there for them really so I think for Ahmad the ideal journey is he has a very good five months at Rangers and comes back and is in that squad next year not starting every week but but certainly being on the bench looking to get minutes in the Premier League and and starting cup games so it does feel like it's a, a pretty big pretty big loan for him. Yeah, like you said there as well, Alan Grew himself is 19, isn't he? He's in the United First mm, Team now. Yeah. Greenwood and Rashford were both in the United First Team at 19 as well. So it is a real, real big sort of six months ahead now for Ahmad, hopefully, to, to push on and show everyone what, what he is capable of. Samuel, should we try to debunk some rumours as well now? Of course, United's <laughs> name has been used a lot to get players new contracts, get players new moves. And today, recording this on Friday, the 28th of January, it was United have been beaten to the signing of Luis Diaz by Liverpool. Um, yeah, the move hijacked by Jurgen Klopp's side. But just like Julian Alvarez, he looks poised to join City. United had no interest in signing him this month, did they? And Luis Diaz is another one where United's name has just been used to try drum up interest. I don't know if it's drum up interest or kind of frame it as a coup. Um, I mean, the, the team that clearly were, were in for Diaz were Tottenham and they're, they're having a disastrous transfer window and they've got exactly the wrong coach to to have a disastrous transfer window under. If people can remember what happened with Conte in the 2017 summer window when he was at Chelsea and he wasn't getting in his way. And I think on the deadline day, they, were, they, they even turned to Ashley Barnes, which I think Ty will probably remember quite vividly from his, his time covering Burnley back then. But United were quite baffled to see their name uh, bracketed with with Diaz. And it it doesn't take a lot of research to gauge why that would be because he's right-footed and he plays on the left wing. If there is one position where United do not need to sign a player, it is uh, on on the left wing. I mean, even the two right-wingers, in inverted commas, that came in under Solskjaer, uh, Daniel James and Jaden Sancho, they both prefer playing from the left. They've just uh, loaned a left-sided player in, in Marshall to Sevilla. They've got three to choose from there at the moment in Elango, Rashford and uh, Sancho. Others can play there if need be. You could still play Ronaldo there if you absolutely had to. Uh, it, it's a bit confusing why they, their name was thrown into the mix with Luis Diaz this morning, but that's just, I guess that's you know, a pitfall of them being, being of the profile of the club that they are. And, Sometimes it happens that clubs will trumpet a signing um, in, in the, you know, to frame it as a coup, you, you throw somebody else's name into the mix. When United signed Mejbury, uh in 2019, there, there were some other English clubs who were interested and they were happy for it to be put out there that they, they'd beaten them to, to sign this player. And 
you've seen it happen between the the Manchester clubs in recent years. United beat City to Sanchez, and you know, City were in for him. Um, City were going to sign Cristiano Ronaldo until United hijacked that deal. Neither club will ever admit that because it it suits their agendas. City don't want to look like they've been gazumped by United again. United don't want to be seen to be looking like that they only signed Ronaldo because he was going to go to City, but that was the reality of it. It wasn't a case of Ed Woodward working his magic by speaking to George Mendes, which is what Ed Woodward wanted the world to believe. It was it was literally Sir Alex Ferguson calling Ronaldo and and saying that there's still a place back for you here. Uh, but it, it it always happens, as I said to Ty earlier about some some tweet on Sky Sports News this week about how United were in competition with Roma and Leeds for some, I presume it's a midfielder. Uh, you know, the, the, the hint is in the in, in the writing there. If, if they are supposedly in competition with Roma and Leeds for a player, the chances are they are not in for the player whatsoever. <laughs> And you know, it's, it, we, we fortunately in this month it's just a month uh, that the window is open. Unfortunately, we've got the summer to come, and summer windows are open for the entirety of August again. Uh, but it's it, it's just the same old circle of, of nonsense that we all find ourselves mired in. Um, you know, it, it is interesting looking at the whole with with Sky Sky Sports News Sky Bet because obviously Sky Bet are apparently not owned by Sky anymore yet. Skybet's adverts seem to always feature pundits or employees of Sky and who, who appear on Sky Sports coverage of, of football. So it's a strange one. And I mean, the strangest of all was when they had two bites at the cherry with Jose Mourinho about 20 minutes apart earlier this month when they said he was in contention to uh, to become Roma coach. And then literally pretty much 20 or 30 minutes later, they said, oh, no, he's happy to be um, staying at Roma. So it was a little bit like that. I think it was in the Simpsons episode when Mr. Burns gets shot and within seconds he was pronounced dead at hospital, then he was upgraded to a better hospital and he was upgraded to alive. So that's, you know, it's again, it's another one of those things of the, the Simpsons predicted this would happen. So uh, we've only got three more days of it to run and barring a, a minor miracle, it does look like United are going to be welcoming any any significant incomings anyway, shall we say. Yeah, always trying to read behind between the lines, like you said there, when you, when you see these reports and think where they've come from, why they might be coming from there and the other teams who are linked. Because like you said, more often than not, that can give you the context you need before you even have to delve too deep into it. Um, Ty, Samuel said there, though, it's already sort of been the case. Everyone knew coming into the window that United's eyes were sort of focused on the summer anyway. Again, the mitigation of the fact they haven't got a, a permanent manager in place sort of gives you that free hit in the January window. You can use that as your excuse. Say, we don't want to be buying in case the new manager doesn't want the player, etc. It's just an easy win from a club point of view. But, you know, as well, Ravranic said, it's, it is difficult to buy a player month, particularly in the pandemic, because fees can be inflated. Getting the player you want for an affordable package is, is quite difficult. So in the summer, you know, we Samuel's done the piece, you know, saying that United are looking at maybe as many as four new signings. For you, I mean, we all know the priority is midfield, <coughs> but in terms of the actual type of midfield United want, who would you go for like, in terms of what role would they play? Because obviously this 4-3-3 seems like it's got to be the formation that sticks around anyway. Most teams are using that, most elite teams, <coughs> most of the managers who are profiled as well as, as candidates for the job 
play with a 4-3-3. Do you think it needs to be an actual specialist defensive midfielder, of which there aren't many really in elite football at the moment? Or do you think it needs to be someone who who plays almost in, in an axis at the moment? Because someone like Declan Rice, we know, is is admired by United, but he isn't necessarily the defensive anchor that, that United maybe need right now. Yeah, I think I would be looking for a, a, a Declan called Declan Rice, ideally. I think he should... He should be the top target. I thought he was brilliant last week. I think he can play that holding role for United. He, he has a bit of support with Suchek playing it for West Ham, but at an elite club like United, he looks like he can play it. He looks he looks like a player who gets better and better season on season for me. <clears throat> I think there's a there's a little bit of sort of British snobbishness about about him. Maybe obviously he's not. You know, he's called Declan Rice and he's he's got an East End accent. He's not an attractive signing to, to a lot of people who would rather see if we're gonna sign a British player, at least make it Jude Bellingham. Um, you know, he's not called he's not called Dennis Zacharia, is he? And Dennis Zacharia sounds a better footballer than Declan Rice. But the reality is that the Rice is better. <clears throat> he looks I think he looks like he's gonna be world class. I think he's just superb. He can play that holding role well. He can get forward in time, which runs forward, but I think he he could play that role in a 4-3-3 of, of holding it all together. He has played centre-back. He is an elite defensive midfielder. He's got a great uh, great range of passing. I think he just ticks he ticks every box in that role. And he might cost £100 million, but he's your potential solution there for maybe a decade. So I think that kind of player is the one they should be going for. There's no point. No, I wrote after the West Ham game that he should be United's top target. Was people saying, oh, he's too expensive. Let's sign someone for £40 million and sign four other players instead. Like, um, what's what's the point? The squad's massive as yeah. it is. You need I want a, and you don't have to buy again. Exactly. Yeah. There's no point buying two two defensive midfielders of half the quality of Rice for, for 40 million when you can just spend hundred million and solve the problem once and for all. So that's what I would be doing. I think you know there's an argument they're gonna need a number eight at some point as well. If if you're looking at two players for every position, obviously a lot depends on what happens with Van der Beek. Fernandez and Fred seem to have a pretty good partnership there at the moment. McTominay can be back up for Rice. I think in an ideal world, you know, I'd probably look at signing Rice this summer and maybe Jude Bellingham next summer and think that'd be pretty much a dream midfield. Not sure it would necessarily work out like that, but the, the timings could be possible. But yeah, for me, it would be a priority this year, a defensive midfielder. And if it costs £100 million, it costs £100 million. But I think there'd be huge improvements. And then beyond that, obviously, I think a right back is is pretty essential and I guess a striker too although a striker is a difficult one with Ronaldo having another year and knowing sort of who to sign and obviously you want to you want to build for the future but can you sign a, a Haaland at the same time as, you, as you've got Ronaldo that could present difficulty so that's the interesting one but yeah for me a, a defensive midfielder and, and Declan Rice would be my top target. And again, sort of the elephant in the room is United need to be finishing in the top four as a minimum to be getting those sort of players attracted to yeah. the club. They don't want to be joining for the UEFA Europa Conference League, whatever it's, it's labelled <laughs> as. But uh, so I guess that is the most interesting question. It's everyone knows midfield is the priority. You've written that yourself. But for you yourself personally, what should the second position on that list be? Because like I said, midfield is probably a bit tedious because fans, they know that that's done to death. But for you, what is that? What what is it after midfield that you think needs to be improved this summer? Probably a controlling midfielder um, because you're essentially getting a midfielder and, and an attacker there. Uh, as, as I discussed, I think earlier, we discussed earlier this month, United have, and I suppose it's part of their identity, they 
they like Mavericks. It's why Grealish and Sancho probably should switch clubs. Um, I, I think Sancho would thrive at City. I think Grealish is much more suited to what United like in players and what United fans appreciate in, in, in players as well. But they're probably at the wrong clubs. At the, well, the way that this season has gone for both of them has been a been a disaster. But United need to get into a habit now, and it sounds very, very simple, but that they haven't done it, of, of signing players who are going to benefit the team. Uh, again, you know, I, I, pluck, I plucked an example out of thin air, being Fabinho, you could take another one in like, um, when when Liverpool signed Firmino, in the, okay, he's, he's a striker who doesn't score many goals, but his movement is going to allow a midfielder to run ahead of him and get in the box, as Brian Alden used to do is going to allow Mane and Salah, um, his, his two partners in attack, to come inside and score minimum 20 goals a season each. Uh, that's why Liverpool's recruitment has been so good. They've identified players that improve other players. Jane Sancho has not improved a single United player um, or teammate. Donny van der Beek hasn't. Um, Alex Tellers has kind of by default, but that was only for one season really with Luke Shaw and, and he's now in the team ahead of Shaw. But it's very, very difficult to pick out players that United have signed in, in recent years where you thought not only have they been a good signing, but they've they've improved other players as well. The, the key example being Fernandez, And Fernandez is a bit of a maverick in the way he uses the ball. Uh, he will take chances. He will drive you up the wall. Um, I've heard it a number of times this season. United fans audibly exasperated by him misplacing a pass. But he's he's found a bit of form again recently and he's improved and that's that's why they signed him in the first place and that's why he has been probably on Solskjaer's watch one of two undeniable successes and he's been by far and away the most successful signing. But where they're recalibrating now with um, an expert in recruitment in Rangnick Consulting and they'll obviously have a new coach next season so you've, you've got to plan with that in mind as well. They, they've got to be a lot more sophisticated with how they identify players. And if they if they sign a controlling midfielder, I think that almost offsets the, the likelihood of a number of attack-minded players going. Obviously, Mata, Lingard, Pogba, a three attack-minded players, Cavani, sorry, another. That's four who are almost certainly going to be going in the summer. Marshall might be sold in the summer as well. So that's, that's a lot of players uh, and that's a lot of seniority to be losing from a squad in, mm. in, in, in one hit. But you can't, you can't like, lament that. I think you've got to see that as a really good opportunity to recruit in a very, very smart and sophisticated way that is just going to change the way the team operates and change the way the club operates as well. You've, they've got to use this as an opportunity just to, to turn the page um, and, and write a new chapter in, in the way they go about their business because they've not gone about their business well enough. And a controlling, I mean, the, the irony is Van der Beek kind of fits the bill. He can play in midfield. He can play in a 4-3-3. He was schooled in playing 4-3-3 at Ajax, but they clearly don't fancy him and he's probably too far gone now uh, to, to salvage his United career. He's... he's his 18 months at the club or 17 months could, just could not have gone any worse, really, in terms of how badly it has gone to the point that Phil Jones has started more Premier League games than him this season. It, it has gone that badly. So 
if, if Van der Beek's a write-off and Matic is out of contract next season, sorry, <clears throat> next year as well, I think that has to be that has to be the area that you still look to. But you've just got to get someone who's kind of like going to straddle between those two two areas of the pitch. There, um, Fernandez is. I wouldn't say he's capable of it because I don't think he's a controlling midfielder, but he can, I think on his debut against Wolves, he did play deep for a period, uh, but may, mainly he does his damage higher up the pitch. You only have to look at his, his efficacy at United to, to know that. But I certainly think there's scope there to be very, very um, canny and getting someone in who can uh, who can come in there into that team and and, and just try and be the, be the controller. It's, it's a hell of a a sell to a player if you're pitching to them whether United are in the Champions League or the Europa League or God forbid European Conference League I should have said God forbid head of the Europa League as well <laughs> um, but that's that, that's a hell of a pitch to a player for them to take on that mantle and as, as Ty said I mean if if they got Rice in one summer and Bellingham the next summer which seems again it seems a stretch but that would be ideal and, and Bellingham I think is already he was probably developing those those controlling characteristics when he was at Birmingham before he even went to Dortmund a couple of years ago. But they need someone who's going to be who's going to be their De Bruyne, really. Um, you know, I, th- I think the the days where United fans were disgusted at the manager saying they need to aspire to be like City are long gone because they they should aspire mm-hmm. to be like them in just about every way, apart from selling out the stadium. Uh, I think in terms of support and selling out the stadium other than that City seem to be better at United than in just about every other department yeah I think you know it's it's now a narrative where every team in world football wants to be a bit more like Man City with the standards they're setting at so much consistency Ty in terms of maybe away from the first team then it's been another proud week for United at youth level as well Zidanek, Bal and Kunda Palestri both making international debuts as well Zidanek, Bal for Iraq and uh, Kunda Palestri for Uruguay um, like I said we've seen a bit of both of them this season. We saw Palestri in pre-season. He looked all right. Iqbal, of course, came on in the in that Champions League game against Young Boys along with Charlie Savage. Yeah, it's just another endorsement, really, of the, the work United are doing at youth level. And it is an exciting future. But again, maybe it almost comes full circle, doesn't it? That United have these promising youngsters, most of them in attacking positions. And I guess when you let the likes of Lingard and Marshall go, you can sort of give them a proper chance in the first team as a result of it. Yeah, you can. And, and those players need to be seen as a, as a pathway there. And the reality is that in a club like Man United and all of the top four, top six, really, even your most talented youngsters, the majority aren't going to make it at United because the standard is just so high. You have to be phenomenal to make it at Manchester United. So there's, there's always a chance that these players won't make it at Old Trafford, but a lot of them will go on and have good careers elsewhere it's also about something else that, that City are really good at is selling academy players for for a big profit. There's almost a almost a city tax, I guess, for a player who's been in the City Academy at the moment. Any buying club knows they're getting a player who has been schooled in in modern football and is ready to to slot in and play, really. And it can help, you know, it can help a transfer budget as well. So players like I mean it's early for for Iqbal, really. He he could still make it at United. He's obviously young, but Palestri done okay out on loan playing for Uruguay now the competition to be a winger at United even in that age bracket is immense I mean is he better than Ahmad and Anthony Alanga probably not at the moment but 
certainly playing international football is a good sign if you can have a good loan spell. You know, if United can sell him, I don't think they spent about 10 million on him, but if they can double that and, you know, give him a few games, give him a run, see if he's good enough, chances are he probably won't be. But if you can sell him for a profit and, and make some money from it, then it's still a, a tick in the box, really. So it is, you know, it's always good to see players like that being being capped at international level. But like we say, there needs to be a pathway for them to to have a chance at United. And at the moment, that's probably not quite there because of the size of the squad. Yeah, exactly. Um, just before we end this podcast then, Samuel, three days left of the transfer window. I bet you're, maybe you probably got it like a, a chart on your wall just ticking down the days until you're free from uh, having to write inane transfer <laughs> rumours and stuff and, and, and debunk these myths. Um, do you expect to see any more business from United? Like we said, looks a new signing unlikely, but potential to see one or two leave on loan? Yes, I think outgoings, that's that's still possible it's it's van der beek or, or lingard um it's it's very quiet regarding dean henderson I, I i suspect i'll be writing something about him in the next few days but it it, it might be something but it also might be nothing that i'm, I'm actually writing down so uh, it, it might be one of those non-update updates but uh i suppose we've just come to this inevitable point now the final week of the window where the clubs are it's it's push comes to shove clubs realize that they do um, need certain players it's needs mass severe united discovered that already with them that they've gone for marshall uh other clubs the, the appeal of, of those players is, is still is still quite high and those those players could have could have good impacts for them but uh i, I think they'll i think there'll still be a fair amount to write about in in the um in the post-mortem of it, depending on what happens, because United's record with outgoings, it's, it says a lot about the situation that they're in, that there was no real hope of them selling players this month. It was always, the, the emphasis was always on loans and that, that applies to someone like Lingard, who in ordinary circumstances, if you're getting rid of a player with less than six months left on their contract, it's, it's usually a permanent sale. But in this case, it's, it's, it's going to be a loan at the very best. And, and that's the best way United have got a chance of, of getting a loan fee for him. So uh, I think the more, most exciting thing about next week is, uh, for me anyway, and I'll probably speak on behalf of the rest of the Desk Rich, is, is your intended interview with Will Ferrell when he uh, rocks up at Wrexham <laughs> for their, uh, their next game. Yeah, watch this space. I'll try. I'll try see if he can give us any insight on, on maybe get maybe get to Old Trafford or Lee Sports Village or something as well. Maybe if he really wants to <laughs> indulge in British football, he can have a Friday night at Lee and see what it's all about. But yeah, we'll work on that one and see. But yeah, like I said as well, um, got some good weekend features, haven't we this week as well? So if you're stuck for a lack of football, of course you can maybe try see Ahmad's debut for Rangers on Saturday. There'll be plenty of United interest in the lower leagues of English football as well. But Samuel, Ty, myself have all got weekend features on the MEA as well. So keep your eyes peeled on social media and on the site for them. Thank you very much for joining us today on the Manchester is Red podcast. We will be back, I presume, maybe even Monday for a deadline day special. It'll probably be very similar to this one. Not much will have happened. But um, <laughs> keep, yeah, keep safe. Enjoy your weekend. Ty, Samuel, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Rich. Nice one. Thank you, Rich. And thank you very much, wherever you are in the world. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you again next time. <laughs>